Welcome to another fabulous episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. Hey, guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and nobody else. No, uh, Billy's not here this week. Uh, we didn't want to hold off any longer since we did skip last weekend. Uh, I'm going to say mainly because I was stuck playing Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, So we wanted to get this out now. So, you know, sorry, Billy, you missed out to play the only good TurboGrafx game we're going to discuss on this podcast, uh, Military Madness. But before we get into that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since last time? Well, uh, at one point, I think I remember I mentioned that I was playing through uh, Watch Dogs 2 and and that I really kind of regretted missing that game late last year. Uh, I actually beat that one uh, about a month ago, and uh, I, I love that game. I, I played all the way through it and... and it, it does kind of get repetitive in, in those ways that a UP's, Ubisoft game does get repetitive, but uh, I, I found the story and characters and all the different missions and, and the various ways that you can get through them uh, to just be... I just had fun playing it, and, and that's way more than I can say for the first Watch Dogs, which was just a... Man, that game was a complete mess to me, and <laughs> it, was, it was a big disappointment. I, it, a lot of people were, were very disappointed with it as well. Uh, but w- w- I can definitely say Watch Dogs 2 is worth your time uh, if you if you kind of wanted a, an actual good version of the original Watch Dogs. Uh, but besides that, I uh, grabbed Horizon for the PS4 and started playing that. I've not beat that one yet. I, I think I'm about halfway through it. But man, that game is good. I mean, um, if you're like me and you can't find a Switch or, or like a Wii U version of, of Breath of the Wild... Um, Horizon is is just an amazing open world RPG uh, kind of game. It's it's so much fun, and uh, if you haven't seen it, you're basically just uh, you're playing as Aloy, uh, an outcast from a tribe, um, and uh, you're essentially fighting in the the land after time. Uh, this is this is in the far flung future after mankind has stopped being the dominant species and has sort of turned it over to a bunch of um, robotic animals and. Uh, various robotic dinosaurs that that scour the land now and you play as Aloy and, and there's a, just this whole crazy kind of neat sci-fi story that's going on through it and uh, but it really kind of has a lot of uh, those those Zelda gameplay moments of just being out there and exploring and and uh, you know finding all this stuff it does have a lot of things in common with other open world games but it does them so well that that I have enjoyed every second that I've been playing this game and I'm I'm definitely going to try to maybe 100% it, which I rarely do for any game. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. I've got a friend who who never plays video I mean, he plays video games, but not that often. He didn't have a PS4. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, I play racing games or some sports games once in a while. And he sent me a message on, on Saturday night that was like, hey, man, I decided to buy a PS4 uh, just for Horizon. I was like, well, that's cool. Let me know how it goes. And I heard from him a day later. He's like, I put 12 hours into this game already. Now, he's a guy that doesn't play games all day for 12 hours a day. That's something I do. Uh, when I'm rarely allowed that kind of time, uh, but that shows how good it is. A guy who doesn't generally play games like this was like, "I'm I'm throwing my life away to play this game." And it sounds amazing. It sounds a lot like Zelda: Breath of the Wild, which I am playing. Uh, I did not get a Switch. I, I know you said you just didn't get one. Uh, I, I'm going to pretend I don't want one yet. Uh, truthfully, <laughs> I don't need it yet because the only game I wanted to play on it was Zelda. Everything else that's out for it is 
is like I like I'd play Bomberman, but I'm not paying fifty bucks for Bomberman. So no, that that just seems ridiculous for fifty dollars for Bomberman. That hasn't happened since the Sega Saturn. Well, and, and then I would have had six friends to play with, and it would have been fun. Uh, but here with the with Bomberman on the Switch, even if it plays online, uh, chance of me knowing someone else who wants to pay fifty dollars for Bomberman pretty slim. So uh, I did not pick that pick up a Switch. Not that I could find one if I wanted one. Uh, but I did get Breath of the Wild for the Wii U. Figured, why not? Might as well use this Wii U for something, since nothing else will ever come out again. Uh, but actually, I mean, graphically, the Switch version is better, but not by a whole lot. And it's incredibly playable. It's super fun. Uh, it sounds a lot like like what Horizon and, and Breath of the Wild are essentially the same sort of game. Uh, what makes Breath of the Wild more interesting for me as, as a Zelda game is you can see, you know, Nintendo said, fine, you like Skyrim? We'll make Skyrim, but it's Zelda Skyrim. So there's all these, like... Like little mini games and stuff around that are very Zelda-like, as opposed to being like Skyrim. But then at the same time, it has kind of the, you know, you go around, you forage for plants and and vegetables and all these other things you can use to make food and potions, uh, which is a very you know sort of Skyrimy sort of um, mm-hmm. open world thing. Also, there's much like Skyrim actually, you can kind of breeze through the game. I don't want to to say too much about any you know to spoil any kind of new game, so I won't. But but there are basically you know, it's Zelda, so you have to go out and clear some dungeons so that you can go to the last boss area. And I've cleared all the dungeons. I'm ready to go to the last boss area. And, and I've still only probably gone through about 20% of the map. So there's plenty more to do and just wander around and see, uh, including plenty, much like Skyrim, of pointless quests that no one's going to want to do, but I'm doing every one of them. <laughs> do, I mean, does this bring back memories of, of playing like Zelda 64 back in the day? Because I know there's just a lot of people that, that really... Um, they're, they're saying that they really haven't felt the things that they're when they play Breath of the Wild like they have since they played the original Zelda 64. Just the, the freedom and and being in this this crazy huge world. I mean, looking back on if you play Zelda 64 now, it's not a very big world. It's just kind of a few areas connected to to a, a semi large main uh, center of the map. Uh, but this one looks like it is a a huge huge map that you can just kind of just go wherever the hell you want yeah it, it's completely open and it's not just a matter of oh yeah it's this giant open map but i can, i need certain items to get to certain areas generally you can go anywhere you want to go but you know much like uh an mmo would be if you are in an area you shouldn't be in then things will kill you in one or two hits so you clearly know you're not supposed to be there but the other thing that lets you do to easily get yourself around is pretty early on in the game you get the ability to kind of glide and so you'll be able to climb on top of any mountain you can see as long as it has enough footholds and jump off and just glide around and get over all these rivers and stuff that you normally wouldn't be able to get through easily. It makes it, I mean, it's literally just exploring is, is 99% of my fun, but it's super fun. Like, I can't stop playing it. I can't put it down. Uh, it's it's amazing. It actually, I mean, I liked Zelda 64, but I think it actually reminds me of how I felt when I played the original NES Legend of Zelda. Yeah, and that's, that that's what I was thinking myself, yeah. You know, you start out, you get you get the bare minimums, and it's like, go, you know, here's a sword, have fun. And th- this basically mm-hmm. does that, but it's more than just a sword. Uh, what it does that's different from most Zeldas is, like in all the Zelda games, you go to an, a labyrinth, and you'll get a new item, a, a bow or a, a boomerang, and that means you're going to use that item to clear out the boss on that level, and also, you know, continue your game. This doesn't do that. You, you have a kind of a starter area you'll spend four or five hours in if you kind of want to rush and uh, and that'll give you all the the abilities and items that you kind of need to get started you get a bow and you get you know all, all the the things you think of a zelda having 
and then when you clear out the labyrinths, you kind of get other abilities that are kind of power ups more than more than another complete new skill. So again, after the first five hours, you you can go wherever you want to go, but you have to kind of build yourself up to survive in those areas. It's it's really really good. Uh, hmm. I'm not 100% sure how replayable it is because a lot of the stuff that's interesting to, in, is figuring out the puzzles. But once you figure them out, how many times am I going to want to figure out a puzzle? Uh, that said, though, I still still think I could put 100 hours in this game and not finish it. So it's excellent. So what did you? I, I think the the biggest complaint that I've heard about it uh, by far is is the the stamina system and the just how easily your weapons break. I, I think that's. Those are the two big complaints with it. Like, have you found any any issue with those? Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a perfect game. Uh, the stamina it doesn't bother me. That's I don't know if it's just because I've been playing so many games that have sort of a stamina wheel. Because I play nothing but Dark Souls and um, Bloodborne that have built-in stamina to, for doing your attacks. This doesn't have stamina for attacks necessarily, but it's everything else. If you run, it uses your stamina. If you're gliding, it uses your stamina. If you swim, it uses your stamina. And you can build up your stamina with power-ups you earn in the game. So it's not totally uh, going to ruin your day. The the thing that does kind of ruin your day a lot is those that your weapons break. That's mm. infuriating. Uh, I don't mind it in some ways because you get a lot of weapons, but it's also you can only hold eight weapons. And then you, to earn more weapon slots, you have to find uh, and do these little token things to trade into a guy to earn more weapon slots. And then as you find other tools you need they also take a weapon slot so for example uh you get a torch and you get that pretty early that's not ruining anything but it takes up a weapon slot to hold a torch and you pretty mm. much always want to have a torch on you you don't need it but it's going to make some parts where you're going to you know get to a new dungeon or a new area you're in and like oh i need a torch so you just got to save where you are remember how to get there or hopefully you have a checkpoint nearby and then go find a torch so you want to have a torch and some of the other tools with you so you're you're pretty much only giving yourself four weapon slots if you don't need to fill them with tools uh, and then, yeah, a lot of weapons break easily. Some of them make sense. You find a rusty sword, that's going to break easily. Uh, but you'll get some, like, legendary weapons uh, as part of the game. And even those break after, like, 20 hits. You're like, what is Are this? Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, like, that, like, even if you find, like, you go through one of these dungeons or something and you, and you get, like, an actual, like, legendary weapon, like, you, you still can't. Like, repair that or anything well, you can, like you just you can rebuild you kind of just have to save it for, for when you kind of want to use it short answer is is yes you can repair them but it's not as easy as it should be it's not like you can take a, a sword to a blacksmith and fix it if it's one of the special swords or items you get from the dungeons there's a person you can take that item to and he'll he's like oh yeah yeah if you need the i'm making this up specifically but you know, oh uh, you <laughs> broke the the magical sword of doom well bring me this sword a diamond and five pieces of rock and i'll rebuild that sword for you anytime you need so it's like you can't just take your sword back and have him fix it for an inconvenience or a fee you've got to go hunt down these other items to rebuild that magical sword but for what i've seen with the exception of probably the the main weapon you need to finish the game, or I don't know if you need it, but the one you should have to finish the game, the rest of them, they just do a lot of damage. They don't really need to exist, and you can find other weapons everywhere that do more damage than those weapons, so other than having a, a special weapon that feels like it's important, there's not really a need. Uh, but, but I, I mean, still, I, I'm loving the game. It's amazing. Uh, I definitely want to try Horizon after I'm done with this to see how they compare. Uh, and then I did make it to disc three of Final Fantasy VIII, uh, which Ooh, I'm talking about wow. on my Twitter feed. So if you want to hear me talk about Final Fantasy VIII uh, grudgingly, uh, go to at <laughs> Delish Baloney, or I'll, I do link it a lot from uh, at Retrovaniacs. But for now, let's stop talking about new games and stop, start talking about old games as we go into Military Madness for the TurboGrafx-16. 
Now, unsurprisingly, I recommended this one. I know this is going to blow everyone's socks clean off, but I picked another Graphics <laughs> game because I'm determined to find one that, that these guys would like. Now, Billy is not here, so that means he loved it. The best game he's ever played. Uh, That's, uh, you know, I, I actually have a conspiracy theory as to why Billy's not here. Uh, and I, I think it's because we have finally found the one good TurboGrafx-16 game that we have played so far, and uh, he he refuses to to come onto the podcast and ad- admit that we have uh, we've got a got us a good TurboGrafx game here that he cannot make fun of. So he's he's accomplished his mission. He is not here to to you know say that it's an actual good game. But um, I, I think in his stead, I will say that. For Billy Holiday, he would have actually really enjoyed this game. Well, I hope so. I, I have very fond memories of Military Madness. It was one of the the earliest titles for the system. I think when I got the Turbo Graphics, we had you know obviously Keith Courage, which I've already said is amazing that everyone else says is not. Uh, and then I had Military Madness and Legendary X. And Military Madness, you know, my dad was a big PC strategy guy. You know, he played all the Civilization games. He had all those like. Civil War games that looked like the tabletop games with the little cardboard pieces, and it looked like, why would you play this on mm-hmm. computer? But it was because you could play by yourself, because uh, <laughs> they were too involved for me to learn. I was not into it. But games, you know, like a, a console-based strategy game, he would buy pretty much all of them, and and it would give him someone to play with, you know, with me, uh, and he would destroy me and make himself feel really good about himself, and that's cool. But I loved this game because it was the one of the first turn-based strategy games that I remember on a console that felt more involved than just you know, oh yeah, I've got six units, you've got six units, we'll try to place them around the map, and and hopefully, you know, I can position myself better than you. This actually had some real strategy to it, it had different types of, of units for land and air, it it was really involved, I mean, I, I can't yeah. say enough good things about Military Madness from my memory. And like, for me, like back then, I... I was not into any sort of strategy game. I, I think the first strategy game I ever remember playing um, well, you could say General Chaos was a strategy. It was a you know a terrible strategy game, but it was a strategy game nonetheless. But um, besides that, I, I think the my first memories of an actual strategy game was Advance Wars um, on the on the Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, and um, I never actually played Military Madness. I'd heard of it, but when I played it. I was just like, man, this is just uh, we've got us a Advance Wars before Advance Wars right here. You know, it's very, very, very similar to to what uh, those games were back then. Uh, on, you know, the Advance Wars series. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that this was essentially a, a precursor to those games. Kind of, and, and I thought the same thing because I had never played anything other than Advance Wars from that series, and I didn't play any of the other Military Madnesses because there are others in that series. Uh, actually, it's Nectaris or Nectaris uh, in Japan. Yeah. There, there are plenty of games in that series that we never saw in the U.S. Um, but actually, uh, Advance Wars is based on a game called Famicom Wars that came out a year before this, and it does look very similar to this and still has some things that are very Advance Wars. Uh, style like the the cartoon characters that are in the corners as your like COs I guess, um, but but it looks like I don't want to say that this copied that because I can't find anything that specifically says that. If anything, I'd say it's like you know, how many games can you make that are turn based strategy that aren't going to end up very similar to this, especially when you're talking about on a console level. So I think I'm sure that they fed off each other to some level. Uh, but Advance Wars not a direct descendant of this, but a, a very similar game. Uh, but yes, it's it's exactly like. Advance Wars in many ways. So if you've played Advance Wars, 
you know, it's a turn-based strategy game. When you go to combat, it switches to a close-up view where you see your units fighting each other. You don't actually control it, but it does, you know, it's more cartoony. It, it gives you more of a feel of, oh, there's 10 tanks and they all fire and now there's 8 tanks. Like, it, it moves into a, a much more interesting-looking combat than just having two units on a map next to each other flash and one of them go away. So it, it's not like Military Madness or even Famicom Wars were the first strategy games on consoles. I mean, uh, even before the Nintendo, there were a handful of strategy games for the Intellivision, which we had had. Uh, they were very crude, but they were still strategy games. Uh, and then even uh, the NES had a game called Desert Commander that was a more traditional turn-based strategy game that I had. Uh, and then, of course, like the, the Koei games, like Nobunaga's Ambition and Romance of the Three Kingdoms, were all about the same time as this. But this was the first one that, uh, those games are impossible, by the way, uh, but, but this is the first turn-based <laughs> game where I felt like, you know, I really controlled an army, I had a whole bunch of different units, uh, it has things that you now expect in strategy games, like having factories that bring you new units, uh, that have ways to take and hold points. It, it's, it's a very impressive game that starts uh, very, very uh, unimpressively, I guess. The, the very first map is mm. one screen big, you only have two types of units, you have tanks, uh, which are called bison tanks, and you have Charlie infantrymen, and that's it. And the only point of that first map is to kind of teach you the basics of how combat works, and that the you know the, in order to beat the other team, you have two objectives. You can either kill all their units, which is how I normally would have done everything, or you can take your infantry unit because only infantry units can do this and capture the. Uh, I thought it was their main fortress, but it's actually a prison camp. You're retaking your prison camp, saving your your POWs, and that will also win that map for you. You know, you were talking about the. <laughs> I don't want to get off track, but you were talking about those old uh, NES strategy games. I remember um, I would go over to certain holidays with my family, and my uncles. They all had an NES back then, and they were super into those old strategy games. and And they would sit there and they would just be playing them. And I would try to. You know, I was young back then. I, I I'd say I was like what about eight, nine. You know, I, I wasn't very old. And I would sit there and try to watch them play this and just try to comprehend what they were doing. And they were so into these games. It was ridiculous just how crazy they were into them. And I never got them. I absolutely never got them. Um, but and it wasn't really until um, I did play Advanced Wars that I finally kind of understood. Well, I, I, I kind of understand why these are these are so much fun, you know, to, to play uh, there's just something about a good strategy game. And I think military madness really, uh, taps into that vein of just, it, it like you said, it does start out kind of unimpressive. It's very simple. It, it, it's wanting you to show you the ropes. It doesn't want to toss all of these crazy units at, at, at you at first. Um, so it's, it's giving you the, the most basic units that you can, you can throw out there. And uh, it, it, very quickly, it teaches you that you shouldn't maybe go up against tanks with Charlie, you know, the, the soldiers. You, you need to have some sort of strategy to what you're doing and what units go against what units. It's almost like a, a rock, paper, scissor thing. Uh, and if you're not familiar with a, a strategy game, then that's essentially what a lot of these are. It's um, using the, the units that have a, a clear advantage over other units uh, on, on like terrain that would give you an advantage. So that's essentially what the game teaches you very quickly early, and then as it goes along, you're it gives you more units, uh, more things that you can do with those units, and much larger maps. Well, right. So it, no, instead of having everything be on a flat field, you know, you mentioned terrain, but I'd like to kind of explain the mechanics a little more, or else this will be yeah, a five-minute sure. podcast, uh, which I'm fine with. But uh, so the if instead of being on a flat field where everything's even. 
if you have the same exact unit as your as your opponent, you both have the the bison tanks, for example, and you're on this on a, uh, one of you is in like the forest and one of you is on the road. Whoever's in the forest has an advantage because the defensive position of being in a forest is better for you than just being on an open road. Uh, th- that's kind of cool. It actually shows you, you know, when you when you start the combat, it says like here's your you know your powers, and then it says you know terrain modifiers, and there's also the I forgot the terminology for it, but basically, if you if you can surround your opponent, if you have two of your your units next to another unit, it actually gives you a bonus in combat for each unit because you are you know trying to position yourself around the enemy. You're not giving them as much room to maneuver, uh, and actually surrounding them is a huge bonus. If you can get someone on not fully surrounding them, but being exact opposite points. So if you're on the north side and you have one of your units on the south side of a unit you're attacking, it it also almost doubles your power. So as you're going to fight uh, the enemy, it not only do you have to worry about terrain and worry about the surrounding, you know, if you've surrounded your your unit or their unit, uh, at the more your specific unit that you're fighting with has been in combat, it also gains, uh, it's not levels necessarily, but it's like every time they fight, they get an experience point more or less, and that also is a huge modifier on how much damage they do and their survivability. So there's sometimes where you'll just want to, even though it's, yeah, it's only one enemy unit that's left, but you'll take a brand new unit of uh, of ten guys and march it right next to them just to take them out to get them that experience point because it means on another even fight they're going to be much much stronger than they would have been without that previous combat experience. And I think the the combat experience uh, it, it kind of goes a long way with something that I really enjoy with a lot of strategy games, which it might just be me being crazy, but you kind of grow attached to those units. I, I remember that specifically in like Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, to where you can start off with a just you know, a blank slate of a character, uh, in this case a unit, and over time you know they they can win these these crazy battles. They can they they just kind of keep going, and over time I just kind of got attached to these different units. It's like oh man, that's my number one unit that's going over there. You know? uh, but th- again, that that could just be me crazy. Be me being crazy. In a game like this, that is a little crazy only because you're going to have to basically throw units against a few things until you eventually take them down. But I'd say a game like uh, Fire Emblem or something that's more strategy-based where every character has like a name and a face, those are the ones where I'm like, I don't want to lose anybody. Tactics. Yeah, Final Fantasy yeah. Tactics is the worst for that, where I'm like, uh, if it's a person with an actual name and not just some guy I found that I got convinced to join me, I'm like, no, I will restart every <laughs> round until I come out with zero casualties. Uh, in fact, that, that's one of the reasons I, I did finish Final Fantasy Tactics eventually, but I never did for the longest time because every time I lost a guy, I would just reload that fight over and over again. Even if I finally won the fight, I'm like, oh, but I lost Mark, so I got to do it all over again. Oh, yeah. And, and, and some oh, of those fights God, are insane. That was the worst thing. Just <laughs> like I love Final Fantasy Tactics is actually my favorite strategy game of all time. Uh, so, yeah, I. Uh, I probably grew way more attached to some of those uh, characters I, than I ever should have. I, I made that game harder for myself because I just refused to let those characters die. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, with Final Fantasy Tactics, you really have to level things up over time. You know, when you lose them, you're, they're gone. But they stay with you over the course of, of each uh, battle. Uh, to where something like Military Madness, whenever you start, you get a pre-selected bunch of of units to use nothing really carries over from map to map no nothing carries over and when you start a map everything's already placed for you so it's already yeah. preset scenarios it's not oh you get to start and position your 10 units or decide oh what what do you want to have for your team do you want to spend all your money on tanks or or infantry a lot of games offer you that uh, but but this game instead it's just literally you start the map you have your guys already placed in a preset position the enemy's always placed in the same preset position uh, and generally it makes it so they're all fairly even even the first few fights uh, yeah, they're they're definitely 
tilted in your favor so that you can learn the game. But they're not complete giveaways. It's not just you know a tunnel where you can march through and trap guys in a tunnel. They, the uh, the AI is actually pretty smart. They will use terrain to a good advantage, uh, and they do remember that there is two goals. It's not just they try to fight you off. They will try to take uh, back their prison camp. So you have to mm-hmm. be very careful and watch what they're doing, or else they'll they'll try to finish the game in a couple rounds. Uh, the, the levels, even though uh, they're they can be a lot bigger than one screen, uh, they're still fairly fast. I mean, you can you can breeze through most of these levels and. 15-20 minutes in, in a level and that's on a, on a long fight which is nice you know tactics is a game we, we just mentioned but some of the real fights in that uh i could spend hours on to try to get through effectively so this thankfully much faster fights uh the animations to do the combat uh are always worth watching but they don't take all day long they load fast they just they come up on the screen they fire and shows you the results and you go back to the to the main map it's not uh it's I, not yeah, long i, I really consuming. appreciated that i i think in in uh, more modern uh, strategy games like this they they spend a little bit too much time on the even advanced wars like in the later games uh kind of got like a, a little bit too cute with with the animations and stuff and lasted just maybe a bit too long for something that you're you're doing over and over and over again uh this one like it, it never bothered me at all like when you go into bat- battle they you know your, your units roll into screen they shoot each other pretty quickly and that's it um it, it you could probably make an argument being like well maybe those don't even need to be there because they're so quick but i i always thought that they that they added a lot to each each battle and and kind of broke up the monotony of that that uh, overhead map screen a lot no they definitely do i i like the the breakdown to the other screen for combat it's better than watching you know if you're playing axis and allies or a game like that a board game then and it's the equivalent of watching the dice roll except you don't have to watch a dice roll yeah. you can actually watch a cool animation of your tanks marching on the screen and they fire at each other and that's the end of the combat but it, again because it's fast it gets the message across I, I like it a lot and it does feel better than just watching two units flash and showing you results on the screen mm-hmm. Now you mentioned the uh, the prison camps and bases. Uh, were, did you really go hard for those to try to capture those yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll explain those, but you know it's essentially a you can capture the enemy prison if you want to. Well, that will that's the so there's there's several buildings. It starts out the first map just has the you know I thought it was a base, but it's actually the prison camp. Uh, the the whole reason to capture that is it will end the level even if you only have one unit left as long as it's an infantryman and you can march him onto that unit even if the somehow the computers on the other side of the map with two thousand tanks sitting around your base you'll still win that mission if you can take that prison camp before they take your prison camp or kill all your guys so yes I definitely tried doing it now as a kid I never did as a kid I always tried to just brute force it because it's also more impressive to say you wiped out the enemy you don't want to win uh, you know in my mind I didn't want to win a, a game by a technicality I wanted to win by brute force but the game is designed, especially some of the later levels, that if you don't go for that objective, you will you will have a, a hell of a time finishing that map. So there's plenty of times where you know you'll get down to two units on the uh, that are left for the computer, but they're fully 
fully stocked and experienced units that have enough guys left it's going to take you throwing all your units at that guy over and over again to hopefully kill him or you just keep that two units busy and march your infantryman right into the prison camp and just finish the game two turns later instead mm-hmm. so yes there's definitely reasons to go for the prison camps uh, now the other buildings you get because it starts adding things in uh, so starting level level three uh, they introduce factories now factories are Units that are uh, buildings that either start as a color of you or your opponent, or they're actually some neutral factories that show up later on. Uh, when you click on a factory, it'll show you some units that are already there stored. Uh, most of the time, they're other units like what you already have in the map, but sometimes not. And especially if it's neutral, a lot of the time when you grab those neutral factories, you'll get units you couldn't get in that map other ways, and it definitely mm-hmm. tilts the battle in your favor. Um, they Unlike games like Advance Wars, you can't build new units in a factory. You can't say, okay, I have a factory, so now I can build in X turns this many guys. It's just whatever comes in that factory is what you get right that time uh, to finish that battle out with. What factories can do is they can also heal your units. So if you have a unit you like that has some good experience, well, let's say it's down to two guys, right? Out of ten guys that start in your unit, you have down to two. If you move them back to a factory, they can't do anything the next turn, and then they come out the third turn uh, fully stocked again, but with all their experience. So it's definitely worth having the factories, uh, you know, just to make sure you can, one, get those extra units because it stops the opponent from getting extra units, but it also lets you heal your own units. If you can capture your opponent's uh, factories, you get those units as well. So if they capture, if they have their own units in their factory for healing and you take that factory, you get all those units as well. So factories are almost more important, in my opinion, than the prison camps because those will definitely tilt the battle in your favor and then you can just brute force it, uh, which is always nice. And it seemed like for me, as soon as those factories came up, like that was the thing for me to go get. Because once I figured out what they actually were, uh, the advantage you get from from having those factories, just even having those uh, those extra units and being able to heal other units, uh, that's essentially you've tipped the favor and in, in everything you can do. I mean, you, you've essentially won the map if you get a couple of, or one factory or two. Like it's a... Uh, they they will win you the game if you take the time to actually go and capture a factory. Well, and it, almost equally as important is the computer will go for them. The computer doesn't yes. go, oh, well, there's a factory, but who cares? I'm going to go for this other objective. Oh, no. The computers will go for those factories, and then once they get them, they unload all their units, and they will definitely use them to their advantage. So if for no other reason than to stop them from getting those factories, you should go for the factories. Uh, unless you have some sort of plan... Uh, that involves distracting them with the factories or something to then go for the prison camp. And some of the later levels definitely use tactics along those lines to make them feasible. Because otherwise you're like, how do I finish this? I started with five units and they have 20. And there's a bunch of factories that I can't even imagine getting to. Uh, but you'll and find see, ways I, to I get didn't there. actually understand the concept of the factories. Like I, I learned pretty quickly that, you know, going for the, the prison camps or whatever, uh, that will you will win the stage. So I was just kind of uh, trying to go for that. But then at some point I was doing that and I quickly found out that I was overwhelmed by enemy units that weren't there before. So I had to actually uh, check out like what was going on. And it, it, it is those factories. And if the, the AI gets there first, uh, you better have a hell of a defense going on or, or a way to capture another factory yourself because you, you just can't do it. There's no way you can rush it when, when those factories come into play. You know, they, they become, like I, like we've both said, almost more important than the, uh, than the yeah. prison camps. Again, with, with, most except, with, mo- with a few exceptions, that's always the case. Uh, so, again, as you go through these maps, there's actually 16 different maps in the game. Uh, after you finish the 16th map, 
it gives you the advanced missions, which are the same maps you've already done with units in different places. Sometimes, you know, units that you wouldn't have seen for levels later. Uh, you know, when, when you start the game again, you only have the tank and the infantrymen. It gives you some more tanks. It gives you some indirect firing units that can only fire at things, you know, three or four squares away from them, not, uh, not directly next to them. Uh, it incre later on, you get aircraft that come in. You get transport vehicles that will transport uh, either tanks or infantrymen. Uh, so when you start those advanced missions, you'll be on a level you did earlier where maybe you only had tanks and infantrymen. All of a sudden, you've got airplanes everywhere and anti-aircraft guns and fortifications. You didn't have mines on the road. It definitely makes it much, much harder uh, and worth playing those other 16 missions for again. Uh, but did you, how far did you get in this, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't. I think I got about, from what I saw on a long play, I think I got about halfway through. Um, I... You know, like I, I didn't really have a, a ton of time to sit down and play through the entire game, and and you do have to have a a decent amount of time to play through the entirety of of Military Madness. Um, but I, I think I got far enough to to get the idea of what was going on. Uh, maybe I did I miss anything later on in the game that just kind of completely changed it up. Well, if you got to where they started in introducing air units and the transport vehicles, that's kind of the later. Um the later push of the game is, is kind of showing you those transport vehicles and you know a lot of maps will start where you only have one or two guys on the map you have a couple guys in factories and then the, the rest of the map is you know go capture factories get new units and only certain factories have certain units it, it just becomes more involved and much more planning uh, than mm -hmm. just saying oh I'm just going to charge directly at the unit and see, at the enemies and see what happens so I just didn't know how far you'd gotten because some of the first I'd say the first five or six missions are are pretty straightforward a lot of them are single single screens or maybe two screens wide but even even by like mission six or seven they're huge they're four or five screens wide yeah i got to the the, the at least the the larger uh, overhead maps where you are you know you're, you've got to do a, a hell of a lot of uh, planning and moving around uh, to get to where you need to go compared this game a lot to Advance Wars because it is a very similar style of game. Um, if you haven't played Advance Wars uh, or this, then we're probably just rambling. Uh, but generally, uh, I think this game is a much more streamlined version of what Advance Wars does. So this game gives you units already placed on the map. If you find a factory, it's already got units in it that is what you can use. It, it doesn't give you any of the, I don't want to say freedom, but but Advance Wars lets you, if you have a factory in Advance Wars, you can decide what units you want to buy with it. And it has the CO powers in, in Advance Wars, so that way there's a little more than just straight strategy to some of the wins. Sometimes in that game you can kind of, you know, shit the bed, but if you have a really good CO power, you can save the day with some super-powered attacks or units that heal or all these other things. Where this game is like, no, 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 if you screw up, you've probably lost. Enjoy the next six turns of this game where we wipe you out. <laughs> I enjoy that. I appreciate that. I, this is it's a very you know this is definitely years before Advance Wars ever came out and you know like you said it is very streamlined uh, but I I myself do appreciate that this is a a very simple style of of strategic gaming it, you just kind of don't see this anymore unless you're playing like some horrible free to play iOS game or something like that um, this it, it is very much just like you need these are the units that you have and this is what you can do with them. Uh, there is no cross map leveling up of, of some crazy super unit that you like. Uh, 
it's it's just here's what you get and this is what you need to do with it and i actually really appreciated that because sometimes i get really overwhelmed with a lot of these strategy games that that come out nowadays uh especially like uh x the the newer xcom games i I love those games but i i can be very easily overwhelmed with a lot of um, the choices and and the different things that you can do with units uh, this is very much just like here's a tank. It it shoots at stuff. You know, figure out what you want to shoot at things. Some it's it's better at shooting at things at some things than other things, and that's for that's up to you to figure out. So that it doesn't bother me, and uh, I had a lot of fun just kind of figuring out the the basic strategies of military madness. So I would totally recommend this game. This is this is still a, a really fun game to this day. If you just like kind of like want a, a simplistic strategy game. Well, it's, it's simple, but it's not. It's not so simple that you're like, okay, I've figured this out, I'm done with it. I mean, you'll think that for the first couple of maps because you only have a handful of units. But by map five or six, you're like, oh, wow, this is a lot more involved. There, are, There's 23 different units in this game. And some of them oh, are, yeah, yeah. are kind of very slightly different modifications of, of units you've already seen. The tanks, for example, you know, they're all tanks. But some of the tanks are extremely good against other tanks. Some of the tanks are extremely good against air units. Some of the tanks are mm-hmm. designed to be super fast uh, and really good against infantry. But otherwise, they're just going to die real quick. I mean, they, they definitely have some very very involved units uh, that, that make it a lot more than just a, a simple strategy game. For me, I, I like that it's a turn-based strategy game. I, I am the worst real-time strategy player on the planet, I've determined. Uh, when when games like that are new, like when StarCraft was new, if I want to throw back to the last time I was actually pretended I was good at one of those games, I was great for the first <laughs> week because no one knew how to play it yet. So when everyone's just kind of throwing stuff against the wall, I'm fine. But as soon as everyone figures out, like, oh, here's the proper progression of how to build this these units you know, here's if you're going to play Zerg, here's how you play Zerg. And then mm-hmm. it becomes a speed race. That's when I've lost. I'm not going to be good at that. I don't have the ability to manage like 30 areas at once. But with turn-based games, I have a chance to sit there and think and go, okay, what do I want to do with this guy? And what's the best way to get there? And don't forget about the terrain. And uh, I, I enjoy that a lot more. So this is still a really good turn-based console strategy game. I mean, they, uh, I, I hadn't played the original TurboGrafx version of this in forever. Um, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, there were actually plenty of sequels to this game that we never got in the U.S. Uh, one we did get was just called Nectaris for the PlayStation. Uh, yes. I bought that the day it came out because I was like, this is Military Madness. I love this game. And it's exactly the same game. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I think it's a slightly different version of this game, but they didn't add, you know, you don't have CO powers. You don't have magic. You know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, no, you remember that strategy game? Well, here's a prettier version of that strategy game. It's exactly <laughs> the same. And I appreciated it. I loved it. They put out a WiiWare version of it as well. And I'm pretty sure there's a current iOS version that released. So there's plenty of ways to play Military Madness. And they all play pretty much exactly like this, which says a lot. You know, there's only a handful of games that that play exactly the same, you know, generally as the original game we're talking about, you know, Super Mario Brothers and this. And that's kind of it. Every other game really takes a 100 different liberties of what they're doing. They become 3D. They you know, add add a whole new mechanic or change the game completely. But this game is exactly the same, no matter what version you play. Uh, it just looks a lot prettier. And I think that's what I kind of mean when I say simplistic. I'm not saying it's a super simple game to play, you know, but it, it does take a lot of strategy. Um, but like you said, this is, you know, not too many games can, can still be fun today just doing a, a very, uh, the exact same strategy of what they did back when they first came out. And um, I, I found Military Madness to, to be incredibly fun just with the, you know, you don't get to, like I said, um, have multiple attacks with different units. You can't level up different units besides just, you know, like what we talked about with, with getting uh, different ranks. But it, it's still the same kind of every unit is kind of the same no matter what map you're on. Uh, 
And that's I, I kind of enjoyed that. So that's kind of what I mean by simplistic. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, it, it's still fun to this day. I, I had a lot of fun playing through what I did. So it only took me what five Turbo Graphics games, but I found one. I found one that it. you guys liked. Excellent. We will when Billy comes back on onto the podcast. We will make him admit <laughs> that this is a good Turbo Graphics game, just so just so that we can say that he he found one that he likes. So we can move on and never revisit the Turbo Graphics. I get it, but that's <laughs> I, I have many more I want to go through, but uh, we not not for weeks. Uh, or months from now. So, uh, speaking of that, our next game will be a. I think it was a listener suggestion, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but it's one I haven't played before. Sky Blazer for the Super Nintendo uh, is what we'll be covering next episode. Uh, it'll be That's nice gonna be to, a uh, good game. I I, rem- I haven't played it since I rented it back uh, back in the day on the Super NES, but uh, I remember it being a, a really really fun game. It's one I one I haven't played. I, I appreciate when we play ones uh, games that I've never ever played before. Uh, sometimes it takes a listener suggestion to have that happen, so uh, I'm very excited for that. Um, something else that was kind of exciting, you know, late, the the Switch has been the big gaming bit of news lately, but uh, in the middle of that, there was an announcement that there's another retro game collection coming. Uh, one that I think might be the best retro game collection that I've ever heard of, uh, which is the Disney Afternoon uh, Video Game Capcom <laughs> yeah. Collection. That's not the formal name of it, because that's what a crazy person would call their collection. <laughs> but it's it's all those amazing Capcom Nintendo Entertainment System games. So DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, the sequels to both of them, um, Darkwing Duck, and Tailspin. Those are amazing games in my memory at least, and I can't wait to play them again. This is a lot like the Mega Man anthologies where it has, you know, all six games and then it has, you know, manual scans and all these artwork things and, you know, a lot of challenges. It's the same company that did that apparently also putting this together. So it's going to be all six original Nintendo games, not remakes, not redesigns, and not just straight ROM dumps. It's going to be six really good versions of, you know, the actual Nintendo games along with all this extra material. Uh, And comes it comes out mid-april so it was announced and it's like yeah no next month we're gonna bring this out yeah I, I can't i'm more excited about that than anything else except for persona 5 coming out this year that just that came out of just complete left field for me because yeah you know, i'm a huge fan of, of those nes disney games um especially like you know we we've just done a review on youtube for darkwing duck uh, I, i'd already done a review of chip and dale those you know i remember those games to this day and i absolutely love them and there's a few in there that I have never actually played. I never played Tailspin on the NES. I never played um, Chippendale 2, and I never played um, DuckTales 2. So I am looking forward to to seeing what I missed with, with those games. I was surprised this is coming out because they just did last year or two years ago, or maybe it was longer because I'm old, but that they completely redid DuckTales uh, for, I mean, modern systems. Xbox 360, the yeah. PS3, and the, the Wii U had them. And it's... It's the exact same game that was on Nintendo, but with like cartoon, full-on cartoon, hand-drawn graphics. But they re-got, they uh, they got the people that did the voices on the cartoon to redo the voices. I mean, it, it was a great game, but they clearly spent a lot of time and money throwing that together. So to then just re-release this original Nintendo version of Ducktales in this collection is is pretty impressive. Well, that I mean, those original NES games, I I love that that newer redone Ducktales game myself. But you, you it just wasn't quite that that original experience i mean obviously there was things changed but there there's a huge crowd out there I, well not a huge crowd there's a, there's a bunch of crazy people like us that that still want to play old games that kind of want a a modern update 
not a new game, obviously, but something that we can play those games on that doesn't require an emulator or some kind of weird shady uh, thing you can buy from a store and stick some ROMs on. Um, and this is kind of it, you know, for, for those games, this is probably the best bet we're going to get to ever play those games on a modern system again, besides maybe, uh, you know, like a virtual console. Um, but did, did any of those games ever come out on virtual console? Um, I don't believe so. Uh, if any of them did, it would have been Rescue Rangers, but I don't think any of them came out on Virtual Console. Capcom because didn't I put think a whole lot like of Capcom out. had like some court, some kind of weird thing with with Disney and whatever modern licensing thing they had, like kind of prevented them from putting that stuff out on on anything modern. I could be wrong, um, but th- for me, like seeing that the all all these games are just going to be released in one collection is, is super exciting. Well, even if it's like, you know, I mentioned it's like the Mega Man collection. If it's, I actually like a lot of the extra stuff in that. I don't necessarily need 200 pieces of concept art, but I like that it's there. But it's the, they threw those challenges in. And I actually like that. That was, those are fun. It's like some of them only give you a minute to get a whole bunch of of objectives done. And I would just sit there and play through those after beating the main games. It was nice to have other little challenges like that. So if they're going to add things like that to it, very, very excited about uh, generally just having this collection. Because, again, I, I do love those games. And I I think there's a lot larger of an audience that want to play that than the remake, the DuckTales mm-hmm. remake that came out. I mean, it was totally... I, I enjoyed it. I finished it. I, I still have it. But but I think more people would have bought just the original DuckTales for $5 on the Wii download than the you know this full repackaging, reimagining for 20 bucks. Totally. So I, I probably would have myself. Again, I could be totally wrong. It may have come out on virtual console, but um, I, I never remember seeing it. But um, and it seems, you know, what they what they did with the Mega Man collection, uh, it seems like they're going to do a lot of that with this one. It, it seems like they're really treating it as this, um, you know, kind of almost like a DVD special edition of all of these games together. There's a reason why they're calling it the Disney afternoon for anyone that grew up back then. You know, the, the Disney afternoon after school uh, block of cartoons are, are basically sacred at this point. And for all of us that, that really enjoyed those shows back as a kid and, and really enjoyed those games, uh, it's it's really kind of exciting that they, they acknowledge that with, with the actual name. Because honestly, no one currently, besides the people that grew up, is going to understand why the hell they're calling it the Disney afternoon uh, collection of games. It, it just They'd just be like, what are you even talking about? Dis- Disney's not on the afternoon. Well, or it's but, on uh, all day long. Yeah. They have three channels, and uh, I can just go on demand and watch these things, Dad. What is yeah, wrong I know, with right? you? Yeah. yeah, no, my, my kids have no idea what the Disney afternoon special would be. Uh, because, again, everything they want to watch is at their fingertips anytime they want to watch it. Uh, and they don't even watch it on TV. They watch it on a tablet. Like, they they have no idea. Like, no, you don't understand. We'd get home every day from school, and there was a two-hour block of Disney cartoons that we stopped everything, no matter where we were, yeah, and had yes. it on. Even if we were doing something else, it was on. We watched it every day. I mean, I, I guarantee I've seen every episode of DuckTales at least five times, and some of them many, many more, because they were on every day. But it wasn't... It wasn't the kind of show I ever got sick of. I, th- I think I would still watch DuckTales if it was on today, uh, even though it would cause everybody I know to think that I probably have some sort of problems. <laughs> uh, DuckTales is classic. I mean, all of those shows to me, like they, they hold up really well. Uh, compared, you know, at, I can at least as an adult sit down and watch uh, DuckTales and, and Chippendales and a lot of those, uh, uh, those, those older Disney block cartoons that were on back then. I can still enjoy those. But anything that's like kind of for kids now, I'm just like, this is awful. And I don't, I don't want to watch this at all. 
maybe that's just saying how old I am and maybe I just kind of uh, relate more to that stuff back then. But it certainly seems like those those old uh, that block of Disney cartoons from back then, the DuckTales and Darkwing Duck, Chip and Dale, Gummy Bears, all that stuff. Uh, I can still sit and, and just watch those and, and really enjoy them without any sort of uh, rose tinted glasses on. Or maybe only roasting glasses, but who cares? That's the whole point yeah, of this right, podcast yeah. is roasting glasses. And then we kind of take them off for a minute and then put them right back on because it's terrifying without those glasses on. I know. I, it's the only way I can live life anymore. Well, on that note, after we do uh, the next episode's game, Skyblazer, I think it would be the perfect time to kind of do a, a, an episode where we cover all six of those games uh, for the Disney Saturday Afternoon Collection. So we'll definitely, uh, well, not definitely, uh, right now that's the plan. So unless we decide, hey, you know what? We decided instead we're going to talk about Rygar for an hour. We will probably, <laughs> after doing Skyblazer, be covering the Disney Afternoon Collection. Because I, I can't think of anything else that I want to talk about that's a retro game that's coming out this year. I'm just very, very excited. Yeah, I mean, me neither. I think uh, taking a look at that entire collection, you know, we may not spend, you know, half an hour on every game. But just taking that collection as a whole and, and, and just seeing what all they've they've added to it would just be awesome to me. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Next episode will be Skyblazer for the Super Nintendo. Uh, until then, please make sure to check us out on Retrovania.net. Uh, we're on Twitter at Retrovania.net. We are on Facebook under Retrovania.net. Anywhere you want to look under Retrovania.net, there's a really good chance that it's us. So yeah, check us out anywhere called Retrovania.net, and we will see you next time.